0: All right, welcome to another episode of Doable Discipleship. It's me, Doug Jones, and this is a Saddleback Church podcast designed to help you deepen your friendship with God. But we always like to call it a show that helps you grow. Jason's still out sick with his little boy, um, but we're carrying on with part two of a great, great conversation that we had with uh, Bill Galtier and Ken Baugh. Uh, Rob Jacobs and I got to chat with them. This is the second part of that. If you have not listened to part one, go back and do that because this conversation is, you know, very, the stuff we talk about at the beginning has big implications for what we talk about at the end. So make sure you go back and listen to last week's episode, episode 103, before you go on and listen to this one, episode 104. Without any further ado, let's dive back in. Just a second ago, Bill, you were talking about um, you were talking about the way of life, the way of living with Christ. And, um, you know, like Rob said, we're reading Dallas World right now as a team. We're going through, just doing a chapter at a time, we're going through his book, The Spirit of the Disciplines, um, which even though it was written in like 1980 or something like that, it's still shockingly relevant. As you flip the page, you're like, not one word of this has aged. But he talks in his first chapter about how sometimes we think of being like Jesus and being a disciple as like we need to show up in the way Jesus showed up in those clutch pivotal moments, but rather the way to become like Jesus is in those unseen daily disciplines. it's us living the life of Jesus, not just having the um kind of the m v p moments of Jesus but living out the daily disciplines of Christ. Um, can you talk about uh, maybe some of the um, some of the rhythms that you found helpful in that process?
1: Yeah. So that's why we teach, uh, in our book, don't just try train, Mm. which is a, a Dallas phrase. And so we work into each chapter that's dealing with stress and anxiety. We work into its specific disciplines and then relate them to life situations like Ken did with his dissertation. And so, uh, what that's illustrating is the need to operationalize grace into our personality, into our lifestyle. Mm. And what you're pointing out, Doug, is the importance of training that happens off the spot. Because what, what happens to all of us as Christians, you know, you, you listen to this podcast, you're, you're an, an earnest person that wants to live a good life and be a loving person, or you, you wouldn't you'd be tuning in with us. And so the mistake that we all invariably make is that we rely on our willpower to uh, to do the things that we value and that we know to be right and good, and uh, but our habits eat our willpower for breakfast every day. Mm. And so we've got habits around worry and anxiety. We've got habits around people-pleasing. We've got habits around ego and ambition. We've got habits around hurry, uh, habits around just doing too much at a time and not being emotionally <coughs> present in the moment, mm-hmm. habits around complaining and not being grateful. These things don't change by uh, listening to a sermon and then gutting it out. They, they change by off-the-spot training in which we do some different spiritual disciplines. And, and with that a whole category of what's needed that maybe it isn't often thought of as a spiritual discipline is uh, relational interactions. It's so where we're, we're bringing our, our true self with our, our needs and our feelings and our stress points into relationship with someone who is in the body of Christ, and they're, they're with Jesus, listening to us, caring for us, empathizing with us, and sort of guiding us along by their, their presence and their energy invested in understanding and caring for us. Mm-hmm. Because we have to develop a, uh, these healthy attachments to, to, the, to the Lord and to the Lord's people so that we learn how to experience peace you, you don't you don't get peace just by trying hard or or only by believing the right things. These are our dimensions, but you mm-hmm. you need to be in peaceful relationships. You need to like so. Ken, we were sitting down. We had a number of conversations about your dissertation, and I, and I love that story because it takes me back in time, and and so part of what helped you experience that that peace that you were bringing into the process when it's not, you know, anybody that's done a a paper for school, just take your biggest paper that you ever did and, you know, multiply it by a few factors. Like that's a dissertation. It's like a lot of research. There's a lot of books going in here. It's a, a, a lot to stress about. And you were having some difficulties with your your committee around that and weren't being super <laughs> encouraging. And so of course, you know, you're discouraged and is, am I even going to be able to do this wanting to give up? And, and so, but talking that through with somebody who's, who's listening to you and empathizing with you helped you to, to get get grounded, to be secure, and to, and to realize what you just said, Doug. Yeah, the, the Lord is present. He, he is with me. And that helped you then to... to the the work that you were doing off the spot, sort of you know in in the soul care conversation, and when you go to the ocean and you're you're having some solitude and silence time as you so often do, and you're meditating on scripture, this off the spot training then it's it's changing you on the inside, your thoughts, your feelings, your your brain chemistry, your gut. That can be anxious and then now you're bringing that into your desk where you're doing the dissertation and you see that card there and it's not just a reminder like a value you know love god love people it's like oh yeah i've been learning how to operate this way let's stay in this
2: yeah, mm. yeah and there's a there's a lot of neuroscience behind this we can we can uh, talk about but as you're talking uh, Bill is actually uh, quite a skilled runner, has done a lot of marathons. And mm. so I tried a marathon, well, I didn't, I completed it, but I ran a marathon a few years ago, <clears throat> not like Bill does, but I made it. But the an analogy that I often use is that if I would have woke up on marathon Sunday and said to Susan, my wife, hey, honey, I think I'm going to go try uh, to run the marathon today. And man, I'm going to really give it my best shot. I'm going to really try hard to do this. How far do you think I would have gotten? maybe a few miles at best, <laughs> yeah, but because I trained for six months and I trained with a a coach who was a skilled runner themselves, I was able to on race day run twenty six point two miles. Mm. One of the greatest lessons I learned in my training was pace. Everybody has their own pace that is part of their body part of their mental capacity and you have to discern and discover what that is during your training because what happens is on race day you are so jacked up those first eight to ten miles everybody's excited everybody's running together Mm
0: -hmm.
2: i mean you've trained hard for this and if you're not careful you're going to blow through your pace those first eight to ten miles because you feel so good and you've got so much adrenaline and then when you get to mile 20 you're out of gas and so you have to discipline yourself to run according to your pace that you have on your watch or some other way, hmm. or you're running with somebody who's setting the pace. Uh, otherwise, you're going to run out of gas at the end. Yeah. And so the training aspect of all of this, and we can actually train ourselves to not worry, and, but you can't try to not worry because it's unsustainable over the long haul. Hmm.
3: This goes back to just why habits are so important, and we've talked about that so often on this show. And it's the foundation of what class two hundred one is for habits. And Bill, you were talking about the the value of having people in your life. One of the habits we talk about in class, and in fact, uh, you know, several weeks ago, Pastor Rick did a message on rethinking your life, where he reinforces again. The need to be in small group, the need to be in relationship with other brothers and sisters in Christ, and be able to have these honest conversations with people, uh, to have that spiritual mentor. I think you know Rick talked about that in that sermon as well. Mm-hmm. But it's you know if you want to be a person who has who knows the Word, it's you can't just well hope that it's there when the when the anxiety comes. You have to be a person who's practiced the habit of being in the Word. Um, if you want to be a person who's generous, you can't just say well. I hope when the moment comes, I'm a generous person. I mean, you have to practice the habit of generosity and giving and tithing and those kinds of things. And I often wonder sometimes if that is what makes the yoke easy, that you've you've practiced the habit into a place where it just becomes who you are and um, that it's just, it's the nature of who you are. Yeah, you're, you know? you're
1: being in the Word, as, as you're saying, Rob, and through your time of training, the Word is being in you. And so that's... The other side of the equation that sometimes we can miss in discipleship is that uh, getting through the Word, studying it, meditating on it, reading through the whole Bible, uh, being in Bible studies is is very important in our discipleship, and it's equally important that that Word is getting into us. So a a little thing that we teach in soul shepherding and in our Easy Yoke book is called Breath Prayers from the Bible. And uh, it's the simplest practice. It's not uh, necessarily some new age thing or Eastern religion thing. I mean, yeah, they, they do breath breath uh, exercises, but it's just a, a, a physiological technique for stress management combined with meditating on a scripture. Mm. And when we, in church, when we worship, when we raise our hands, we're using our bodies to remind us God is awesome and we're praising God and we're submitting ourselves to the Lord. And if we focus on our breathing is a way of relaxing our bodies and is a way of getting into a rhythm of breathing in God's grace, so to speak, and breathing out our stress, and then we combine a scripture with that, like, be still and know that I am God, this kind of thing. It, mm-hmm. it helps that... That truth of God's word and the, the power of the Holy Spirit to begin getting worked into our personality and, and the, the neurons and our in our brains and our biochemistry and all that, so that now we begin to experience relaxation. And we have a, if we train that way off the spot, as you were saying, Doug, outside of the stress point, and we train in meditating on a scripture with our with our breathing like this, then when the stress comes up, we can have a new habit there that we draw on. So Mm -hmm. I've been doing this for years. And so oftentimes during the day, I will will catch myself where I do a, a deep breathing sequence and I'm, I'm praying something like, be still and know that I am God, or thank you, Lord, the words of Jesus in, in Matthew 11. And I didn't even intend to pray. I didn't even intend to do a discipline. It's, it's a habit that I formed. Mm. And then I, I sort of catch myself doing it with jogs my thinking and my feelings to go, oh, yeah, mm. the Lord is here. I can relax and I can pray. And so I was doing that as I was you know, driving up before this podcast. And then before we started, you know, you you led us, Doug, in a time of prayer. And we were doing the same thing that you were doing with your your dissertation, Ken. We're saying, hey, Lord, this podcast belongs to you. Mm. And the fact that I was praying in the car and that we prayed here at the start, that's helped me be in that space as we're talking. And so now and again, I'm shooting up little prayers because I've got that habit. And that helps me to be relaxed and to appreciate that God is present. Hey, Jesus is the smart one here. He's the smartest person in the world, and he's at this table, and we're trusting him to speak to you who are listening.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. It goes back to the habits of thought uh, that that we talked about when you were on the show last time, Ken, and we'll put links in the show notes to those episodes, um, because I think this really ties really nicely with that. But talking about reflecting on the scriptures, uh, in, in your book, you tell the story of Jesus calming the storm, and you... Um, you kind of use that as a as a as a picture of him calming our anxious minds. Can you explain that a little bit?
1: Yeah. So the the story of Jesus calming the storm on the Sea of Galilee. You know, uh, all of us who who love God's word are familiar with that. And the amazing thing, you know, Jesus, the Son of God, actually calms the storm with a word, "Peace, be still." It's a tremendous miracle, mm. and it's one of the many places that He's showing us that He's the Son of God. What we might miss in that story is the hidden miracle. That Jesus was calm in the raging storm, and the f- burly fishermen disciples experienced on the lake and knew how to do this for many years. They were panicking. Yeah, but Jesus is taking a nap. Yeah, calm to the point of slumber. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, and you know, you might think, oh, Jesus like faking it. You know, he's just kind of saying, oh, I'll just let these guys sweat it out, and then I'll, I'll calm the storm. Well, you know, I mean, that could be. He's the Son of God, but I, I think he was really resting. I think mm-hmm. he was really napping. I mean, but you can't imagine he would be like so conked out in sleep that he has no awareness that he's wet and it's cold and waves are crashing into the boat. I think he's just like really relaxed because he's practicing what he preaches. He's submitted to the Father. He's in the easy yoke of the Father. And this is a great key about Jesus is that he is the first disciple. He shows us how to be a disciple. He's yeah. a disciple of the Father. As a human being, back to what you were talking about, Rob, with the limitations that Jesus took on and the incarnation, he is showing us how in a situation of of tremendous stress, and anybody would feel fear and panic, except Jesus doesn't because he's in the easy yoke and he's submitted to God. So his peace in the storm is a hidden miracle there. And we, we can learn that demeanor we can do disciplines. We can learn the gospel and take it in in such a deep way and through our relationships and our practices that more and more we know how to be calm and relaxed, even in stress, even in difficulty, even in conflict, because we're in this easy yoke with Jesus, this, and to use a psychological term here, a different wording, we could say we're in a secure attachment with Jesus. We're in a quality of relationship of attunement, empathy, grace, intimacy, God-centeredness, unconditional love that has us comforted and calmed and strengthened. So I'm gonna be okay. Even if the boat goes down, it's okay. I'll hold on to a plank, I'll be in the water, I'll be with the father, I'm I'm trusting the father. He's over the storm.
0: If you don't mind a follow-up question, <clears throat> what comes to mind is I think and I think this takes the stress that we often feel maybe in the workplace or in our families and ties it to the story that you were just telling of Jesus calming the storm. Sometimes there's an incongruence between uh what we feel is urgent as in the case of Jesus and what those around us feel is urgent. Yeah. So there was a there was some disagreement about how urgent the situation was. And Jesus of course in that story, he transferred his calm to the men by demonstrating his his power. Yeah. Demonstrating the power of the Father. But very often it goes the other way, where, you know, if we're in our workplace and we're surrounded by people whose hair is on fire and everyone's stressed about we got this deadline, we got this thing, or we're in our family and something, something, something hard is going on in the family. And there's this, there's this atmosphere or almost an ecosystem of stress and anxiety. How, how do you begin in that space when kind of the tide is against you, so to speak, of eking out a calm,
1: a calm frame of mind? Yeah, to, to eke out a non-anxious presence. Yeah. Yeah, so what you're really getting into here, Doug, is boundaries. So we have a whole chapter mm. on this because it's so central to dealing with anxiety and our relationships and to discipleship, that we we learn how to, to say no uh, to people and to expectations and to work, that we learn how to... Uh, to relax in a difficult, stressful situation, that we learn how to not match people's mood, not mm. absorb their hurry or their stress, but be centered in a different reality. And so what Jesus is showing us here, when he, when he speaks the calm that's in his body into the storm, and then it gets into his disciples, you see, he is showing us that we are bi-habitational beings. Mm. We, we live with, with physical bodies uh, in a physical world, in, in real circumstances, it, you know, he, they were in a boat, they were in a storm, the boat was about to capsize, that's, that's, that's reality. But there's another reality going on here, the spiritual reality, the reality of the Father's world, the reality of the heavens flowing on down into earth, and that was bringing Jesus peace. And he was a master at learning how to tune into, absorb, appreciate, rely on the presence of the Father with him. And so because of that, he's able to bring from the invisible, hidden spiritual world into the material world, the peace of God. Mm. And that's what spiritual disciplines are helping us to do, is to activate our bodies and our minds and our emotions and our social connectedness and our will around the presence of God through Scripture, through the body of Christ, through the different disciplines that we do, so that there's actual changes now that are taking place in us, and and we, we have... And in, in boundaries is one dimension of this. Is one area where we need to do some some training, so that we can learn how to to be separate from people who are upset or run with their hair on fire, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. That's great.
2: And everything that Jesus did in His humanity, He did as a result of being filled with the Spirit, and as a result of His relationship with the Father. Mm-hmm. And so, all of that is available to us in Christ. Mm-hmm. That's the good news of this. Yeah. And so as Jesus was there modeling this for the disciples, he's there modeling it for us believers now in the 21st century mm. that we can access this. And that's another Dallas's point going back to spirit of the disciplines that we can actually live the kind of life Jesus lived if we do the things that Jesus did.
0: Yeah. That comes down to how human do we think Jesus really was. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's an important point
2: because I think often we tend to, we minimize his humanity uh, to emphasize his deity yeah. when we need to always come back to the reality that he was a hundred percent God and a hundred percent man. Yeah. But he chose, going back to Philippians 2, he chose not to access, so Jesus wasn't cheating with his deity right. in order to be at peace in this situation it was coming and so that gives us great hope that Jesus is our the prototype of the first disciple yeah right so he's the perfect human yeah he's what we are becoming in Christ uh not that we'll be fully actualized in this life of course but certainly we can make progress in that
0: yeah i've i've been kind of uh i don't know if it's experimenting but i've kind of been just kind of moving into the realm of fasting more lately and it's been it's been paying some pretty cool spiritual dividends along the process. But I was having a conversation about this with a family member, uh, uh, actually just a few days ago, and I was talking about fasting, and and um, and she was kind of like, well, that's kind of like intense to like fast for multiple days and things like that. I'm like, well, humans can fast for quite a long time. Jesus fasted for forty days. We have that on record. And and she made the point. She's like, well, he was supernatural. Yeah. And I said, well, actually kind of the whole point is that he wasn't yep. in that sense yep. that if he really was genuinely man then we genuinely can do the things that he did in fact he said you'll do the things i've done and even greater things yep. because you'll have the spirit within you uh, so i love the point that you're making that we 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 can't cop out on becoming like jesus saying that well he has kind of a leg up that i'll never have being god himself well yes he's god in essence but he's also man in his it in in a very real in a very real terrestrial way, in a way that we can model.
1: Yeah, Jesus wasn't uh, Einstein doing first-grade math. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of you uses, uh, I don't know if it's you,
0: Bill, or you, Ken, um, talks about Daniel in the lion's den as kind of a, a prototypical example
1: of of calming the anxious mind. Well, the idea is that in that famous Bible story, if you look at it from the perspective of spiritual reality, it's actually the lions in Daniel's den. Mm. Because uh, Daniel is so submitted to God. I mean, he's been praying to him, praying to the Lord three times every day facing Jerusalem. And mm. despite a lot of persecution and, and opposition and threats on his life around that, and then that, finally that, that led to him being thrown in, in the lion's den. Yeah. But he is, he's in tune with God's presence. And he knows by faith that, that there are angels there with him in that lion's den and and he submitted to the lord he says you know hey if, if the lord doesn't rescue me from the lion's den it's okay he's, yeah. he's ready to die for the lord whatever will be the greatest witness for yahweh mm. and so he is so calm and relaxed in that situation of danger that's probably part of what the lord used to shut the lion's mouth is that you know mm. daniel wasn't wasn't panicking or he wasn't like fighting the lions or something you know he, yeah. he was trusting in the, the presence of the lord
0: mm. Yeah, we can all aspire to that. I've seen examples of that too. I mean, I remember we had a a fellow came in, a long time, long time believer came in. He had been diagnosed with stage four cancer and, and it was really, his prognosis was very bad. But I remember he came in and we, a bunch of staff gathered around him to pray. And the sense of peace and calm that he had was absolutely, it was stunning how mellow he was. And I remember as we prayed, I just, I actually, in that prayer, I just decided to thank God for the way that this this older disciple was teaching us all how to suffer. I remember thinking, like, if I hope I can get to the point where I can face something as 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 dire as that and do it with the sense of peace and composure that that mm. he has. And of course it was clear that just as you've as the as you guys have made the point so far, he was he was living in that state on the spot because he had done the work off the spot, because he had he had done the work of discipleship, he had engaged in living According to the way of life of Christ, so that he could behave like Christ on the spot, uh, and I think we probably those of us who have some solid Christians in our life, we probably all have some examples that we could look to if, of people who are a little bit further along than we are in that way, and those might be good people to um, to sit down with and to learn from. Uh, let's talk about some doables. This is uh, this is kind of a segment we always try to do on the show to make sure we just drill this down to some practical. Here is what you can do right now uh, in your car, in your bedroom. While you're on your lunch break at work or whatever, what are some um, some doable steps that someone can take right away to start getting a handle on anxiety and worry in their life?
1: Well, let's go back to the idea of, of praying a breath prayer from the Bible. So, uh, to that person, you know, you're you're in the car, you're you're in the train, you're you're. Uh, getting ready for the morning and you're listening to Doable Discipleship, I mean, here's something you can do right now or uh, as soon as we, we sign off here. You just take a simple phrase like Psalm 4610, and you know the verse, be still and know that I am God. And you mentioned the term earlier, Doug, regarding fasting, that you're doing an experiment. And that that's exactly the mentality we want in doing a spiritual discipline or a soul training is We, we want to experiment in the sense that we're going to venture on the Lord. We're going to say, okay, God, you know, I'm going to try this activity. Hmm. Uh, and I'm going to do that with, with you, Jesus, in the easy yoke. And because I, I want to see what you do with this as I turn to Psalm 4610 in, in, in a new way. And I now breathe these words in and out. So you take a, a, a deep breath and you can just do that now as you're listening to me. Hmm. Fill your lungs with air. And you breathe out. And then you keep doing that a few times. Just relaxing your body in God's presence. Helping us to appreciate that the Lord is right here, right now. And then you bring in God's word, Psalm 46.10. And as you breathe in a long, slow, deep breath, you recite to yourself the word of the Lord. Be still and know that I am God. Maybe you hold your breath for a moment like you're embracing Jesus right there, just feeling the presence of the Holy Spirit. And you breathe out, Selah, that word of the psalmist, which probably means, hey, pause and relax. Mm -hmm. So you're just breathing in the word of God, and you're breathing out your stress. Mm. And if you just repeat that over and over, breathing in, be still and know that I am God, breathing out your stress and your anxiety. You will find a remarkable work of grace in your personality and in your body, helping you begin to feel some peace. And if you stay with that simple tool and work with that in your prayer closet, which can be while you're brushing your teeth or driving your car or waiting in line. And, it's, and in a way, it's better to do it in those nooks and crannies, because that's the whole point of doable discipleship, is that we're integrating the life of the Scriptures with our actual daily life, you mm. see? Yeah. And so by, by doing this experiment over and over, you're beginning to brand your, your brain around the Word of God, getting that into your body, and then now you can begin to carry that into daily life and work and relationships, and you'll see, it'll, it'll make a difference.
3: Mm. Yeah, it's funny, I did that this morning. Uh, because you, usually I'm only on this show if I'm told at the last minute that Jason's not going to be here. <laughs> Jason, you're welcome. Shout out to you. So, Jason. but from one of the one of the breath prayers I use is the Galatian 5 fruit of the spirit. And so, just every one of those yeah. things is just it's, I'm able to take a breath and remind myself that God loves me and I can love others. I can, you know, I God, I can find joy in God. So, just a breath at every one of those love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, good, you know, yeah, and uh just to do that, um, instead of worrying about, well, I, I'm not ready to come in and do this episode. I just found it like, it's just breathe, relax. God's got this, you know, God has me. Um, and it, you know, I, when you do this around the word, it just, it is powerful. And this goes back to one of the other episodes we were talking about too. We're not, and you mentioned this too, Bill, we're not trying to you know, um, clear our minds and get to this place of the empty mind or whatever, some kind of Buddhist practice or something. What we're trying to do is clear this, the anxiety and fill our minds with God's word. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it fills our hearts. And, uh, you know, we, and we talked about it on one of, the, one of the previous episodes about this, this, the same kind of thought of, you know, mindfulness is good, but we, what are we mindful of? We want to be yeah. mindful of God's word. Yeah. Whose mind do we want? We want the mind we of Christ. We want the mind of Christ. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Anxiety, <clears throat> anxiety is something that I, is just a constant companion, has been mm. with me as long, far back as I can remember as a little boy. And even today, with all of the years of being a, a pastor, all of my academic training in the scripture, uh, it's something that I am constantly aware of. Mm. One of the things that I think is helpful, and for those of you that are listening that can identify with this, uh, 1 Peter five seven says to cast all your cares or anxiety, depending on the translation, upon him because he cares for you. Hmm. God doesn't condemn us in our anxious thoughts. He cares for us through them. And truth is always our friend. So when I'm finding myself being anxious, and I understand that what I think about is going to promote emotion, I If I identify what it is, because a lot of times I just feel anxious and my body is reacting to it. I have butterflies in my stomach or I'm feeling overwhelmed. And it's like I I try to stop myself and pay attention. What is it you're afraid of? Mm -hmm. Because you can't cast something on him unless you're aware of what it is. Mm. So by identifying it, it takes it out of that kind of ethereal ooze, if you will, and makes it specific. And then you have something tangibly that you can look at, and then you can reason through that, but you can also share it with someone else and get the empathy and the compassion uh, that we're talking about that are essential in relationship to helping us uh, mitigate our anxiety. Mm. Anxiety is not something that you need to deal with alone. You give it to the Lord, and then you let others help bear that burden with you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's that's the, a context, if you will, that for me really helps me in uh, dealing with the regularity of the
0: anxiety that I have. Hmm. Don't you think it? Um, it to me it makes it finite. You know, when you when you when you are able to express an anxiety as someone, you're putting a boundary around it. That, like you said, it takes it out of the ethereal realm where it almost feels infinite, where it's like always with me, and it, it's very diffuse kind of throughout my thinking and throughout the, my daily life. But when you start to express it to someone, you kind of place a boundary around it that takes it from being this, this infinite and mysterious monster to being like a thing that you can kind of assess and examine and discuss and... and start gaining
1: some victory over, wouldn't you say? That makes it tangible. It's so important because if we... Otherwise, we tend to be just in our heads with it. Even... You know, praying it through, of course, is important, but it's it 's an advanced skill, hmm. so I never trust myself to just say oh it 's enough for me to just read my Bible and pray about it. I, I need to like do what you 're talking about, Ken, and talk about my stress to to my wife or to a friend, someone that yeah. will listen to me and give me empathy and be christ 's ambassador to me, so that it gets concrete and so it gets operationalized and you know, I think, you know, you who are listening, you might think, well, gee, you're talking a lot about sort of receiving comfort and the help that you need, but aren't, aren't we called to, you know, love other people? And it's like, well, yeah, we are. And this is how you do it. We, we have to get the, the empathy and the peace in us so it can flow out of us. And yeah. a lot of us as Christians, we're trying so hard to be like Jesus and do the right thing and be compassionate and be gracious, but we don't, we don't have it inside of us. Yeah, It's, it's got to get in there through trusting the Lord, through participating in the body of Christ so that it can flow out of us yeah
0: yeah i mean it goes back to the jesus calming the storm jesus didn't jesus didn't calm down his disciples by first going to an empathic place he did it by showing them that there was another way to interpret what was going on around them he didn't like you know go join them in that without first having his established Mm -hmm. place um i
3: one of the that. questions I know we're in the doable section, and this is a doable piece, but I want to expand on it a little bit. <clears throat> Class sure. two hundred one is definitely a doable because you're going to get in uh, to looking at the habits of being in the Word, being in prayer, being in quiet time, and being together in a in a small group. Um, also, the you know, generosity, tithing, and giving. But mm-hmm. if you if you guys think about those habits how would you look at them and see the advantage to combating anxiety, being in the word, being in prayer, the daily rhythm, habit of quiet time, you know, being with others, being generous. How would you guys see that combating anxiety through the kind of the psychological and neurological lenses uh, um, that you guys, you guys have spent so much time thinking and studying about?
2: Well, for me, I think truth, truth is always going to be set, is going to set us free. So when I am studying, the truth of god's word i'm allowing that to become what i'm going to be dwelling on i've heard pastor rick say for years that worry essentially is just meditating on the worst possible outcome mm-hmm. and so a lot of anxiety uh, is the result of stuff that we're rehearsing over and over and over and, over and over and over and over and over and over again that there's a different way of thinking about that and so when I start disciplining myself in what I choose to think about and dwell on. So for example, one of the things when I find myself waking up at two or three o'clock in the morning, worrying or stressing about something, I have uh, a lot of scripture over the years that I've memorized. And I'll just start going over my memory verses, Colossians 3, 1 through 17, or you know, Ephesians 1, 18 to 20. And before I know it, I'm waking up the next morning. Because your brain can't do two things at once. This whole idea of multitasking is a myth. Neurologically, you can only focus on one thing at a time. So I can either choose to be focusing on what God says is true, or I can choose to be focusing on the lies and distortions and whatever narrative is going on in my head. Now, you can switch back and forth in nanoseconds, but uh, you can't be doing two things at once. And a lot of it comes down to my choice. What am I going to choose Hmm. to think on? and meditate on and dwell on
0: yeah
1: yeah so the psychology of anxiety has to do with all that we're internalizing and that we're not uh, acknowledging the truth of what what we're experiencing and so you need to look at the psalmist as like a master psychologist and the right in the middle of our bible we have laid out for us sort of the uh, the yahweh therapy of psalms of lament the most common psalm that's there is Mm. Uh, inviting us into a place of authenticity and honesty where we name our circumstances, we name our emotions, our stress points, the things that are triggering us, our anger, our discouragement, our fear, and so forth. And we share that with the Lord and we share that with God's people. These Psalms were were shared in the community by the, the people that were gathered there in synagogues and so forth. And so it's as we put words to what we feel with someone who was really listening and mediating for us that divine grace and empathy, that's what begins to help us experience that catharsis, that that draining away of the frustration and the stress and the experiencing of God's peace so mm. that we can then be that non-anxious presence in our, in our families and in our workplace.
0: Mm. So it might be a good encouragement to go read the Psalms for anyone who's listening because they... they offer a great example of what it looks like to communicate authentically with God and with others in community. so if you're wondering, I don't know how to really like start digging into like the the guts of my thinking and my anxiety. Well, Psalms kind of shows you a pretty unabashed way of doing that, (laughs) which can really help kind of set a tone for your communication as well.
3: Yeah. And I would say, you know, to just even get a little more practical, a little more doable. Um, you know, for our, for our saddleback members, you know, if if you have anxiety around money, you need to get connected with you know financial peace, financial freedom. Get connected um, with our financial freedom ministries and work through some of these workshops and actually take care of some of these things. Not just playing the thought over and over in your mind. Do something about it. If you're if yeah. you're struggling with, uh, you know, maybe you're not exercising or you're struggling with, you know. Um, your diet or something, that the Daniel Plan ministry exists for a reason. Remember, we've talked about how important it is. The body is important to us. And so mm-hmm. we need to care for our body. We're, we're living in our bodies. Um, you know, the hurts, the habits, the hangups, the, the, the things that we struggle with, um, Celebrate Recovery is a, a place for that. Um, and so Celebrate Recovery, again, and we've talked about this before, it's not just a place for people drug dealing with drug and alcohol issues. It is for people who are struggling with hurts and anxieties and issues. I've gone through a 12-step around my issues of fear. So mm. Celebrate Recovery is a great place for this. And if you need something more, check out Saddleback Counseling. You know, talk. You, maybe you need some counseling. This church exists to provide these things for you because we don't want to ignore the actual reality that we've been talking about for the last uh, minutes here, which is anxiety is a real thing. We experience it in our body, we experience it in our life, and mm-hmm. we're just not supposed to to suffer through it. There are uh, things that we can do, and God has provided these graces, His Word, uh, people around us, and, and the Church to help us uh, work through these issues. Yeah,
0: good stuff. We'll link all that in the show notes as well. <clears throat> Bill, thanks so much for your book. We'll link that in the show notes as well, so people can check that out. Uh, Ken, we're still waiting on yours, man. But whenever yeah, it's I, done, buddy, come I'm working on. on it. I'm working on it. <laughs> guys, thanks so much for joining us today. This has really been great. Awesome, to be thanks, with guys. You, Doug. Hope Rob. to have you again sometime soon. Be sweet. Those of you listening, thanks for listening. We'll see you next Tuesday. <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of video content. And if you're already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship podcasts on Apple Podcasts or your favorite app, so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit saddleback.com slash doable to check out all our previous episodes. And go to saddleback.com slash grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts. Send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows? Your question just might inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Doug Jones, and I hope you'll join us again next week.